When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Oh, this is so exciting. We're here in the... We've been kind of trading on and off, doing some things remote, uh, and sometimes in the here in the West Craven Memorial Library, which is where we are today. And I'm so excited because um, yeah, the microphone cords. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to like... I have to be careful not to hit we, this a million times. You know what? We're having like a flashback moment because we're recording in like the old setup. This is. We're like, I don't know. I feel like the last 10 episodes, it feels like every time we do it differently. <laughs> I know. It's like, we're just, we're still figuring it out. You know, oh, what, gosh. six years later, we're still figuring right. it out. It's like, okay, we'll record this in Zoom. We'll record this in Zencaster. We'll record this through the microphones. Let's get, let's bust out like an old school mixer and like some reel to reel, you know? Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Go like old school, and you'll have to like stay up all night cutting and trimming, you know, the tape together. I know if anyone wants to give us studio time and an engineer, we'll take that too. So, you know, I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah. And it's funny because you listen back and it all sounds exactly the same, like to me, you know what I mean? To like my ears. But except for that one episode where I sounded like Jigsaw the entire yeah, time. I'm not sure why that happens. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if anyone's like, are they ever going to address the fact that Joe wanted to play a game with Joshua that whole time? I mean, I wrote it in the, I think in the show notes. I was yes. like, I don't know what is happening. We can't explain it. And that happens. And we're like, not going to re-record. So. No, every now and again that happens. And it's just, hey, you know what? If people are just like, I cannot listen to this episode because Joe sounds, he sounds too mask for mask. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Skipping it. Oh my gosh. And that's on us. (laughs) I'm like wearing my original headphones. Yeah. um, Which are really great. Uh, Yeah, they've been here throughout like the pandemic. You left them and then never came back for them. And I was like, well, I'm holding them hostage then. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you used them because they are, they're, they're really nice. But I mean, again, it out of necessity, I bought myself other headphones too. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like I have like, I don't know if this is like hashtag podcaster problems where it's like you have all these different <laughs> cords and headphones and microphones for oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, it's musician problems too. You know, I mean, I've got mics I mean, everywhere. I redid part, you know, for fun, like during the pandemic, uh, <laughs> I went through the entire music room and I like pulled out everything, dumped out everything. I tested all the guitar chords to see if they worked, uh, threw out a bunch of ones that didn't, went through all the microphones, tossed out old mics that were like dented or broken that I was just keeping for who knows why, uh, uh, mic cords, making sure all of them work, plugging them in, taking them out, plugging them in, taking them, you know, just like, you know, then I nicely rolled everything up, gave everything new little elastic Velcro bands. So they're all in nice little, you know, 
um, packets together. So you're ready to gig again soon. Yes, if anybody wants to gig uh, or asks me to gig or show up somewhere and play some music, I'm ready. I, I can just reach into my little, uh, what do you call them? Like the, um, I have all those um, very Ikea, the cloth drawers. Oh, like you a, know? a flugen or, you know. A, Whatever it is. A, a they smirgen. slip right into like this. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just the cloth a drawer. I don't know what to call them. I'm sure that's what it is. Uh, I have a bunch of them in the back, all under like the table and stuff that are just filled with like equipment. So yeah, same musician life. It's it was so easy to get into podcasting because I'm like, well, I've got tons of mics and shit. We can make it work. <laughs> yeah, we have like stands and stuff. Exactly, and we're ready. It's we're so here. funny because like uh, this is this is probably thrilling for the listener. Um, oh yeah, they. Uh, so like you know when you when you watch uh, videos of people recording their podcasts like you know John Lovett on on you know Crooked Media and all that stuff you see that they're having like they have like this really <laughs> That's random John I know love it well John cannot wait to watch John Lovett well no John Lovett John Lovett Ronan Farrow not John Lovett you know the guy from SNL. <laughs> You you knew which John Lovett I was talking about, right? I had no idea. I was immediately picturing fucking John Lovett, like old school. Like, is he alive? He might even be dead. No, he's know. alive. Uh, John Lovett is the name of Ronan Farrow's oh, partner, geez. who has a, he was a podcaster. Yeah. He wrote he wrote an Obama. He right. wrote for Obama. Yeah, right, anyway. right, right, right. No, I kind of know what you're talking about. You're the one who keeps up on those professional gays. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> no, I totally was picturing John. I'm like John Lovett. What? <laughs> John Anyways. Lovett and Ronan Farrow, yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so like I was actually watching an interview <laughs> that he was doing uh, for his podcast, and he has like you know the like the super professional oh. podcaster mic, but basically it's a mic for radio, right? And I'm like, okay, that that's all well and good and stuff, but like we're doing just fine. <laughs> I mean, I think we're doing just fine with our like because right. this is versatile. It is. You know, we stand versatility. We do. You know, we do. Fuck the binaries. Yeah. No tops, no bottoms. It's all about being versed yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Well, you have to, especially now as things get back to normal. Like I'm looking forward to like packing up the the uh, the Joe Mobile and you know heading up to LA to you know build rebuild all of this in someone's kitchen. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> to interview. Like I'm looking forward to getting back to that kind of life. You know, and when we travel, you know, packing up all of our little travel gear. And- we have. I have like. I have like six or seven different multicolored cords that are like 20 feet long. Yeah. So we can definitely socially distance. I mean, yeah. you know, if someone wants to, if someone like doesn't feel comfortable with us in their apartment, we can just run the cords and. Yeah, we'll sit in the car and. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sit in their garage or, you know, uh, they'll be upstairs, we'll be downstairs, we'll FaceTime each other. So exciting. It's the end of the world, is it's so flexible. You know, we mm-hmm. can do whatever. Uh, Joe. How's your week been? Oh, it's been good. Good. Yeah, celebrating the Jimmy Kins. That's right. It was his birthday. Yes. And the Sam Squanch's birthday was I this know. week, too. So, We're hey. with Capricorns. Who... Cancers. Cancers. Oh, no. Sorry. Yeah, Cancers. I was going to say, Capricorn is like later, isn't it? Because I know it's near Sagittarius. Yes, which Capricorn is, what... is after Sagittarius. Right. I know famously. they're near each other. Famously after. After <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, cancers. We're with cancers. Yes. Um, those emotional creatures. Oh, yeah. Super emotional. Yeah. They both just sit on the couch and stare at each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Jimmy Jimmy Kins is a delight. I love when he comes yes. over. I am so looking for... Okay, so first of all, yes, it was the Sam Squinch's birthday. Now I'm taking this back to me. I know I asked you how you were doing, but who cares? <laughs> um <laughs> 
You are self-aware and I will allow it because of that. Uh, but it was the Sam Scrunch's birthday, and so thank you for coming, first of all, to the boardy, to the boardy. You're welcome. Uh, I bring it really, to you every ball. You really, and you brought it this time, because you got us a great gift in, uh, I say us, even though it was really for him. Well, but you I were did, mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I was mentioned. Uh, but you got a Jackie Beat cameo, which was so sweet. So yeah, Jackie Beat, hit her up on cameo. Make sure you use, like, the the link. Oh, shit. Like the link on her Instagram page. It'll not... be on the it'll be on the the thing. It'll be on the show notes. Yeah, let me make sure I write that down to put the the correct link because there's something about like if you do it, if you buy the cameo through like Apple or something, they take thirty five percent of the money. Like if you do it through the app or something, but if you go to the website and buy it like directly from the. Um, creator they get the money like they, they still get a you know cameo still gets a percentage but it's not as big it's like a double because the app takes takes a piece and cameo takes oh, a piece oh okay well i okay so i did it through the cameo site but like i did it on a computer i didn't do it on the app on my phone right yeah i think that that's the better way to do it i should i should clarify but jackie i watch a lot of her live stuff and she always said like she's like buy my cameo but not through the app go to the website okay so. well that's good well that's good to know cuz i did it officially through the i like i searched her on the cameo site on yeah. the fi- i think that's the better way to go okay. cuz i think the app takes a big chunk but anyways not not really the point the point is is that you got as a lovely cameo from jackie beat which one I thought was awesome because I've seen other cameos. Usually they're like 30 seconds, six, you know, 60 seconds, a minute. You know, well, 60 seconds is a minute, Joshua. Oh, my gosh. Math. <laughs> um, too much mathing lately. Uh, but anyways, usually they're like a minute, it seems. But hers was like three minutes, and she did everything. She was fucking funny. She hit all the points. She sang. I mean, I was just like, I was so delighted. Uh, so I'm. I was super excited, and I just have to thank oh my God. you again. I, I'll just buy cameos from Jackie Beat all the time. Uh, right, exactly. Uh, so it was very lovely. Uh, lots of people are on there. Um, you know, it's a great way to make money for people. Especially uh, Robert England is on there. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of people are on there. I mean, it's a great way to make money. You know, just send. You know, because it used to be like back in the day. It's like, oh, record my. Uh, you know, like my outgoing message or my voicemail or something like that. Now it's like, just send my friend a, you know, a thing and scare them or yell at them or be mean to them. Like, oh it's my so God. lovely. So, so James is going to hear this. Jimmy, Jimmy Kins is going to hear this. So, um, uh, it'll be a surprise for him when he does. So I almost bought him a cameo for his birthday, but I was like, man, like there's no, Dave Grohl's not on cameo. No one on the Foo Fighters is on cameo. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, who am I going to get? And so I found, um, his name is Jason Bustamante and he is a professional bowler. Oh. And the thing about Jason Bustamante that's most notable is the fact that he is a two-handed bowler. So he actually uh, chucks the ball down the lane with both hands. Um, instead of the traditional way with, you know, one hand and the fingers and all that stuff. Oh, is that not... It's not illegal. It's just that that's his style, and he oh. he he has a lot of control on it. Yeah. And one of our one of our early dates was we went to BJ's, and um, professional bowling was on the screen, and so he was telling me all about it. And so I actually almost bought him a cameo from Jason Bustamante um, for his birthday to tell him, like, you know happy birthday and give him encouragement for bowling. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, cool. um, I found something better, so. Oh. <laughs> I found something that, that he right. more, appre- that he, I think he would appreciate more. So. Well, very cool. 
I like but it's that still he, on the table for the future, I guess. Uh, yeah, you can always have that there if he's on there. I mean, as things return, you know, to normal, quote unquote, whatever, again, whatever or that means. It, or is it Jordan Bustamante? I don't remember. I have no idea. Okay. It's all. J. Some, J. Yeah. Dot Bustamante, professional yeah. bowler. He's Australian. Yeah. yeah. Bowling is like the ball that you throw at the little stick people at the end of the lane. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know what bowling is. You're from Ohio. But it's, they do look like people. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, It seems like a very violent game, is what I'm saying. Like, throwing balls, and uh, it's just awful. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that's very sweet. I, I, I'm sure he will enjoy whatever you got him, but you always have that in your back pocket, yeah. you know? But, but, oh, my point was, as things kind of return, you know, as people are able to go out and start making, you know, money again doing what they usually do cameo may change you know people may leave it or whatnot because i just know a ton of people joined it to make money during pandemic during the pandemic because they couldn't do anything else so it's like well might as well use this time to say happy birthday to my fans and a lot of like <laughs> higher profile folks they get on there they do like really random stints but they always do it for charity it's like yeah. hey everybody i'm doing a cameo and every proceed is going to go to the trevor project or you know right. something 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 so um, and a lot of drag queens are on cameo. Oh yeah, tons of but drag But you queens. were saying that you've seen cameos with drag queens where they're not in drag? I have heard a lot of criticism of from drag queens like Jackie Bead. She it, it, specifically, you know, she will read a girl. So she's like, you know, or they'll like just put on like sunglasses or something and maybe throw on a wig, but they're not like fully made up. And she just thinks that's kind of insulting. Like, you know, if people go on there, because the, the drag race queens can charge a lot. Like, I, I know Jackie does not charge that much, relatively speaking. Uh, you know, some people charge hundreds of dollars, you know, for a cameo. And some of the drag race girls, I think, do. They charge quite a bit. And then they don't get into drag. It's just like them as a boy, like, hey, happy birthday. It's like, nobody wants to see that. That's no. not what people paid for, you know? Not really. Yeah. But, um, so that's been, like, her critique. And, I mean, I have seen in the comments, like, other people complaining and calling out, you know, certain queens. Like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah does that. Um, you know, or, or they just throw on glasses or something that kind of zhuzh themselves up. But it's obvious that they're not in, like, full beat. And so that's kind of Jackie's thing where she will get into full drag. Um, she'll, I mean, she'll get into full drag just to do cameos. But a lot of times if she's out and about doing other things, she'll put out a thing like, I'm filming today. So if you're like putting it off or blah, blah, like I'm in full drag today, I can do cameos. Yeah. You know, I've got an hour or two or whatever, you know, and I'll do, I'll do a bunch of cameos. And so people will buy them. Joshua, do you think we could get on cameo? We'll just be like two nobodies on cameo. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know what the parameters are. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't know too much about it. Um, you know, I've seen and you know, heard of people doing it. Uh, this was the first, nobody's ever bought us one, you know, so this is the first time. Yay. Yeah, so it was super I know, sweet and it was like, and I, perfect. Knew, I knew we were going, we were getting ready to do cake. So I was like, uh, I was like, we're probably not going to sing. So I was like, okay, yeah. let's just put it on, put it on the Bluetooth so everyone can hear it. And then you guys can, you know, take a look at it. And she was in her full, I, I uh, she finished it on July 4th. Yeah. So she's in full patriotic garb. I know, so funny. And I love how she just was like, fuck the USA. But, you know, it's still okay. Like, yeah, you know, it's so funny. She's, it's getting better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been hearing a lot because, like, Jeffrey listens to uh, Howard Stern quite a bit. And he's mm -hmm. actually been in, like, some sort of, like, protracted argument with, like, one of the whack pack who is like, I'm making all this money on Cameo. Like, I don't need you, Howard Stern, you know? And Howard's like, well, you wouldn't be have, like, money you know what I mean? Like, nobody would go to your cameo if you weren't on my show. 
Uh, to which I'm like, yeah, that's fair. But also, without like the whack pack, like who is Howard Stern as well? You know what I mean? Like it does kind of work. Like a lot of people are fans of these people and listen to his show for these bizarre characters that he's collected over the years that are that are part of the show. I don't know how much you know about Howard Stern. Um, no, yeah. don't know much. Well, anyway, so I, but I'm like, I, I, yeah, I don't know what the parameter is. Like, do you have to be like, hey, look, I've got a hundred thousand followers on Twitter, so I deserve cameo. Like, I, I have no idea what their you know. I'm gonna look into it. Yeah, I yeah. think we would make some cool cameos. Yeah. yeah, we could try. I'm, you know, I'm for if somebody wants to pay me some money to be like, hey, it's me. I want to do <laughs> so. So like they have different, they have different occasions for cameo. Yeah. It's like birthday encouragement. Mm-hmm. My favorite is like insult or roast, and I was like, huh, I wonder if we could get someone who is like a quote-unquote paragon of goodness and then choose to have them roast someone. So, like, you know, we'll get Martha Stewart to say that, you know, hi, jo- hi Joshua, I'm, I'm Martha Stewart, and your friend Joe paid me to say that your makeup is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, you know, your cooking sucks or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Joe, if you want to look into that, you go right ahead. Yeah. I mean, if people, I'm, I'm for making money however we can so that we can keep yeah. uh, Fright School in fresh uh, microphone cords. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my point being that I was delighted by the cameo, and the reason I brought it up was because uh, we're going to take Jimmy. Will this be his first like drag show? I mean, like this is. Should we even count this as a as a drag show? Because Jackie Beat is unto herself and her own thing. You, you know, know? But she, I mean, she is a drag queen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but, I mean, it is a drag show in the sense of like, you know, she's in drag. She's very, okay. you know. But so then, yeah. I mean, overall, no matter what, yes. It yeah, is he's his never first. been to a drag show. Yeah. So I'm very excited that the first person he's going to see is Jackie Beat, and I have to say that I'm thankful that like, I hope that during his time with me and around me um, that he's, that he's allowed his skin to thicken because I think Jackie Bead is going to like rip him a new one. It's going to be delightful. (laughs) I'm going to put him right on the aisle so that when she comes by, she'll see him because we're the front table. I bought like the, I know you did. (laughs) I bought fucking VIP table right at the front. We're going to put him on the, on the inner side. That way when she comes and does her audience work, she's going to see that precious little baby face and she's going to be like, I'm going I'm going to hurt this one's feelings. It's going to be fun. I mean, I would... <laughs> see, now that you've said all that, he's no, going to find some reason to not go. No, like, <laughs> she's really not like that. Maybe. If like, anything, I, she's going to like so, she's gonna like severely hit on him or something. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, he's an adorable little thing. And I, I just think she's going to be like, oh, honey, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> who are these, are who you are these horrible men that have like kidnapped you and brought you to my show? Um, but I'm kind of looking forward to that. He's going to get a nice dose of queer culture. Uh, oh, I know. Very specific. I remember my first Jackie Beat show, which was with you also. And I was like, damn, I, I, it was so much fun. I love it. Okay. Well, I can't wait. We'll give a full report in the future. Uh, yeah. It's only in a couple of weeks, which was the other nice thing about doing that. Okay. So to, uh, the horror stuff. So I totally forgot to mention last week that I watched this movie called vicious fun on shutter. Mm. that I thought was really a good time. And I wanted to, uh, you know, alert our, our little listeners, you know, dear listener. Mm. Uh, I guess it came out last year. Um, Cody Callahan on direction. I don't know. Oh, there we go. 
I don't know too much about it, but I did really enjoy. Like, I don't know, like the kind of where it came from, or like you know how how it ended up on Shutter or whatnot. I don't know what it's. I don't know what her journey has been. <laughs> okay, but it was sort of it was about this uh, guy Joel, who's like a horror journalist. Kind of, it's like he works for like a Fangoria type magazine. Okay, uh, called. I think it's called like Vicious Fanatics or something. Okay. Anyway, so it's like he he's like lives with this girl who's his roommate and mm-hmm. he's like in love with her, of course. And of so course. she's seeing this dude who he's like jealous of or whatever. And he decides to like follow the guy to this like bar where he proceeds to get really drunk and he like passes out in a closet. And when he wakes up, he finds the guy like all these people together and it and he's like sits among them and hangs out and whatnot and they're all talking and it turns out it's like a support group for serial killers <laughs> he's just kind of in, like oh yeah i'm a serial killer <laughs> and it was really fun like i just thought it was the soundtrack was really great the music was great it was this like neon 80s vibe a lot um yeah so i just wanted to throw that out there check it out uh you should watch it sometimes because it was i mean it was gory and bloody and weird uh, but it was fun like it was like a comedy you know it was a horror comedy and i totally forgot i watched it like two weeks ago and totally forgot to tell you about it uh so my bad (laughs) um what have you been watching um, well, I went to the movies and I watched Zola. Did I talk about this last time? Uh, I think we did talk a little bit about it because I haven't seen it. Yeah, so uh, watch Zola. That's how far. That's how long I haven't seen you. Um, so definitely recommend everybody watch that. Um, I <laughs> I am caught up on Loki finally on oh, yeah. um, which I think you would like. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's also an interesting take on just like you know the idea of superheroes and stuff. But it's it's very interesting to see how how like these shows that are on Disney Plus, all the Marvel shows, they are totally setting up what the rest of the Marvel world is going to be in a very awesome way. Okay. Um, when, with regards to like the multiverse and the potential arrival of mutants and the X-Men to the Marvel universe and all of that. So I, I think that there, it, it's very interesting. Like now that we have, um, now that like we're living in the post end game Marvel, like we're seeing all of these cool things. I'm sorry, I just noticed that you have um uh baby Yoda with a sombrero <laughs> behind you. <laughs> you haven't know he's been there for like a year like that or with, well, not a full year. With but. a sombrero I never noticed I've noticed baby Yoda behind you, but I didn't notice that he had a sombrero on him. Yeah. Well, I guess the sombrero happened in January. Oh, okay. When I quit, when I left my job, because I, that was given to me as a gift. It was on, I think it was on a bottle of tequila. Mm. And I thought it was cute, and I popped it on his head because it fit. <laughs> he looks cute. He does look you cute. Know, he's we'll, ready to party. We'll post it. Uh, they've probably seen it I'm in pictures or whatnot. I don't know. Guess we haven't done any. We haven't done any live videos lately. We mm-hmm. should. We should do a live. You know, soon. We should do something soon. We'll go know. live on Cameo, everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe, stop trying to make Cameo happen. I'm sorry. People keep people also charge if you want to get like a text message from them. No, it's true. And I'm yeah. like, uh, how do we even know that that's you? Like, this is a serious uh, academic show, Joe. We're not here for the quick cash in. <laughs> 
<laughs> buy our t-shirts. Buy our uh, t-shirts. Link below. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did get a, I did get a, um, it was the end, so it's the end of an era um, because I bought a new laptop. It was time to upgrade. And um, that laptop that I had previously saw like the birth of all my podcasts. Yeah. And was one that I've taken and traveled, <laughs> traveled the nation with. So end of an era for sure, but we are broadcasting live from the new hotness. And I always told myself that if when I get a new laptop, I was going to get like one of those removable uh, hard covers and um, get a clear one and then put a bunch of stickers on it. So I am now combing through my archive of stickers that I've been saving for a new laptop to put on. So you you know that there's going to be like a fright school sticker with with prominence here. There's I have I some it. like stuff. I actually ordered <laughs> I went ahead and ordered um, a Studio House sticker that says watch more horror oh, like, to fun. put on the front. So yeah. So yeah, so I I want to personal be be okay and personalize my stuff. I like it. I think that's fun. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. And you'll be out places and people be like, "Oh my gosh, look at all that horror stuff." Yeah. Stay away from that guy, yes. children. Or or hey, let's go over there. <laughs> right. He looks like he knows some good things. I know I was so mad so <laughs> this is so bizarre. I, why am I sharing this story? I don't know. Maybe horror fans will understand, but Jeffrey and I were in the um in the grocer, you know. <laughs> In the grocery, in, in the, the grocery, <laughs> and we were standing in line behind this guy, and he was like tattooed up and down, and with a lot of horror stuff, you know. So okay. I was like trying to engage him. Oh, was it Brian or Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Are they visiting? Oh, that would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been great. Miss you guys. Love you guys. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was neither of them. Uh, but I guess he's just either he's just covered in tattoos and if somebody comments on him he's just like fuck off you know because he did not like respond because I was like we were standing behind him and so like loudly enough because I was hope I didn't want to be like hey but I also kind of wanted to figure out how, you know to engage him you know but of his own, you know, of his own will, if he wanted to, you know. Mm -hmm. So we were talking. I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's his tattoos are awesome!" Like, look, and he had like Lydia on his um, calf, but it was like the Beetlejuice cartoon version of Lydia, yes, with, like, the, uh -huh. the red spider web, you know, thing. And it's like he kind of turned, but then he turned back around. He's like, "No, I'm not dealing with you people." So, but like, if you have a tattoo that's, if you have tattoos that are uh, visible when, like, when you're clothed normally not you know not when you're in the boudoir right or in your case the abattoir right um <laughs> look it up <laughs> look exactly. look it up we the won't abattoir. tell you what it is um appropriate for today's uh discussion. <laughs> very uh so when you you have those tattoos you you obviously like you know it comments may or may not happen like they're yeah. f within full view of a pub this is where you get into the quote-unquote academic conversation about you know public space and it's like okay well if my if your body and you have artwork on your body that is within my field of visuality then i am going to comment on it even though generally you know you're i don't like commenting on people's bodies but in this instance it was made for you know, there's there's an idea that it was also made for public consumption as well as personal. Yeah, and maybe you know, personal if, reasons. And again, maybe if I'd been some like hot girl, he'd have been like, "Oh yeah," you know, and he would have talked, or or, or a hot guy that he was interested in, or a mm -hmm. hot whoever, a hot person. Yes. <laughs> 
Again, I mean, I don't want to say like just because you have tattoos and you're in public, people have like the right to comment. But I was, and, and that's what was I was. More, yeah, the, it's more just about like you know if your laptop's covered in horror and I saw you in like Starbucks, I probably would stop and be like, oh, that's cool. I love that yeah. movie. You know, and yeah. we could talk. And now we're yeah. horror friends. I when I got my haircut um, at my barber's, uh, the uh, she was there by herself, and then uh, one of the other barbers came in towards the end, and I was wearing my Get Out T-shirt from Studio House. Oh yeah, and he was like, oh, is that a Studio House design? I was like, yeah, I talk to that guy all the time, and I was gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm like met him at a con once. He was really cool. So that's that's the thing is that like you know there sometimes we are purposely doing that in order to flag certain things. I mean, we know this as queer people. Like that's a very that's a very queer thing to do is to you know present and peacock, if you will, <laughs> peacock into peacock. Yeah, he was also wearing a Murder by Death t-shirt, which I think is a band. So oh, okay. it was just like everything he had going on was very like horror, mm-hmm. rock and roll kind of thing. So I was just like, oh my gosh, I, we would probably love to hang out with this guy. Especially like the tattoo was so specific. Like why the cartoon version of Lydia Dietz from mm-hmm. the Beetlejuice show? Like why that? You know, so it's like I, you know, I would have talked to him. But again, he was buying, you know. His kombucha. Food. He didn't want to be bothered. Actually, yeah, he had a lot of like, it was weird. It was like a weird mix of like, this is so, this we sound like stalkers, but we're all like <laughs> standing behind him as he's unloading. So it's like, it was, it was like this weird mix of like health food and like junk food. So I'm like, what is happening? It was here? like kombucha and right. like Doritos. And, and Doritos, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like ho-hos and, you know, quinoa. I'm like, well, whatever. Um, it takes all kinds. <laughs> Anyways, what was the point of all that? Oh, the stickers. Yes. yes. So, oh shit, there's stickers. If you have stickers that you want to give me, I will also take them now too. Yeah. So, I probably have a bunch of stickers. I mean, well, I sent a I sent a, a, a nice chunk of like uh, stuff from um, Knee High Horror mm-hmm. to my niece. Oh. Uh, and it, you know, I we did, she did some words like she wrote me a letter, so I wrote her back a letter and then I sent her a bunch of like creepy stickers and stuff. Uh, how Victorian. Yes, horror things. Uh, you know how you do those kinds. Dear of uncle <laughs> right. Dearest uncle. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways. Yeah. Oh, Joe. Oh. I'm happy for your new computer, your new setup, all of those things. It's only, it's Good in service you. of you, Joshua. You're, you know, wow. You're like Steve Jobs. You're a computer perfect. technician. You're beautiful. You're <laughs> you look You're smart. Like, you look like Linda Evangelista. <laughs> You're a model. No, but it's all in service of us, Joshua. Exactly. Well, I love a good servicing. So (laughs) with that, we're going to take a a quick little break and uh, be back to discuss the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of 2003. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. 
All right, welcome back. So today, uh, as I said, we've been doing our, you know, kind of summer horror, road trip horror, vacation horror, whatever you want to call it. It's July. <laughs> and so we've been looking at, you know, lots of, lots of uh, movies in that realm. So today I thought it would be fun. Because we just did, we did The Hills Have Eyes, and we did Friday the 13th, which both owe quite a bit of their uh, plot lines and, um, you know, stuff, (laughs) their production, to the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I thought it would be fun today to take a look at the remake and, you know, look back on one of our very first episodes. I think episode four or five, somewhere around there, was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, way throwing it back. Uh, but I, I thought it'd be fun to uh, to do this one today. So we got, it's 2003. Ah, uh, 2003. The mm. times, the times. I know. Um, I was 18. Um, I seriously. was 14. Oh, look at you. Was I 14? Yes, I was 14. I am 16. No, uh, <laughs> let's not start that or we'll be, we'll be in trouble. Uh, yeah, so directed by Marcus Nispel, or Nispel. I, I've never uh, bothered to find out exactly how It's Nepal, actually. Nepal, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, we got a screenplay by Scott Kosar, uh, produced by Michael Bay. <laughs> Of course. Yes. What what in the early 2000s wasn't made, yeah. you know, or produced by him. Uh, kind of cool, though, because uh, Toby Hooper and the writer Kim Henkel served as co-producers. So from the original, uh, along with Daniel Pearl, he was the cinematographer on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he came back to do the cinematography for the remake. Again, thought that was kind of cool. Along with John Larroquette. 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 Uh, reprising the narration for the, like the beginning and the end, um, uh, you know, opening scene. So let's see, when did this open? October 17, 2003. So yeah, just a couple months before I would have turned 19. And I did go to see this in the theater. Uh, I remember it well. No, I don't. I was high. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember going to, I mean, I, we did see it in the theater, uh, which I went to, I went to see this movie uh, hostily, you know? I was just like, how bloody dare they, you know, think that they can remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You know, especially at this time, I was so in love with the, the original 70s movie. I had discovered it. I mean, I'd seen it as a kid and then had renewed interest. It was one of the first, like, this DVD that I have, actually, of mm-hmm. it um, mm-hmm. is one of the first, like, DVDs I owned. Uh, I bought, I think it's, like, the 35th anniversary version or the 40th anniversary, one of those. Anyways, it was, like, a really cool packaging and all this kind of stuff, one of the earliest things. And I would show it to everybody. Like, if you came to my house... You were watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like it just it, that was just what we were doing, and then we were going to get high and watch something stupid. But first, watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I was a big fan, loved the movie. So when they were going to do the remake, I was just like, "Fuck Aww. all of these people, let's go." You were a little, you're a little hipster asshole. I know. I was like, <laughs> "We're going to go see this movie, and it's going to be terrible." And then I ended enjoy, ended up enjoying it. But we'll get into that as we go. But that's just kind of that's where I was at when this came out uh it did you know bomb it uh 107.4 million it was a it was a big financial hit uh kind of kicked off platinum dune i mean i think this was the first movie yeah this is their first 
Platinum Dunes, this is the first film they produced. Uh, it was Tex Chainsaw Massacre. And it kicked off like a whole... Um, I mean, we had been seeing like the Japanese horror remakes that were coming out before, but like this really, I think, kicked off like all of those. So Platinum Dunes made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. They did the Amityville Horror remake. They did the Hitcher remake. They did the Friday the 13th remake, A Nightmare on Elm Street. They rebooted the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I mean, this was just kind of their thing, you know, was remaking. Classics. Yeah, but they also did all like the Purge films. Oh, interesting. The Ouija okay. films, the Quiet A Quiet Place. Those are those are by Platinum Dunes as well. Uh, you know, so this just kind of kicked off that whole time frame of like all of a sudden everything was getting a remake. Uh, I was trying to see what others besides oh Halloween that came out. That was not them, but uh, that came out. The Rob Zombie Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Prom Night. Uh, the first Black Christmas that came out in two thousand six, or the first remake in two thousand six. When a Stranger Calls got remade. Uh, House of Wax got remade. Did they also do the Last House on the Left remake? Uh, it's not on this list. Okay. Uh, of of films that uh, Platinum Dunes uh, produce. Okay. Uh, and th- I mean, then it has different distributors like New Line distributed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, MGM uh, did Amityville, um, Lionsgate did some of them, Warner Brothers, Universal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're all over the place, but they, they were the production companies behind it. But yeah, just this whole time, oh, the Dawn of the Dead remake, The Omen was remade, The Hills Have Eyes, the 2006 got remade. This so- is all by them. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. Oh, but in that time frame. After after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot happened, and then it did so well, it was like, I mean, financially at least, lots of critical dissent. You know, I, do you remember a couple of years, well, I don't know how long, maybe a year or two ago, that uh, Horror Movie Night did the remakes thing, you know, where they were breaking it down. This was like, I think, very divisive. Like, I jumped in and kind of, you know, talked mm-hmm. a little bit about it um, and why I really, why I like it. But it was very, you know, divisive all around. Critics all over the place. People really hated it or they really liked it. But regardless, it made over $100 million on a, like, a $10 million budget. Hugely successful. So everybody was like, okay, let's remake everything. Um, you know, so I, I, at least in my opinion, that's kind of like, when I mean, when you look at that time period, every time you turn around, it, the, every mm-hmm. new movie was a remake of something. Uh, so this kind of like really, I, I think this set that all in motion by doing so well. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a sleeper hit, you know? Mm-hmm. I think people, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many people went to it to hate watch it and ended up leaving and hating it or liking it. Like me, like I did leave going, wow, I really like that, you know? So I don't know what, the story is and you know i'm sure people will have their feelings but yeah again we're here to talk about you know why why does it exist let's start with uh well i guess not start with since i already talked for a half hour just now uh <laughs> joe what, what did you think about seeing this income and then we could kind of compare and contrast the original oh my god joshua i, I think to use the parlance of uh generation z uh this movie got me fucked up yeah but it was like but also like i'm trying to be measured about my response right because like i enjoyed it but did i enjoy it because i'm sitting on your couch across from you yelling at the screen (laughs) like it's rocky horror do you know what i mean like i like did i enjoy it because of that um because i feel like if this was 
if this was me at home watching it in like last year during pandemic times, I probably would have been my on my phone the entire time. Like, and the lights would be on, and you know, it, you'd been on your phone because you were so bored by it, or you'd been on your phone to avoid the like to avoid. Oh, like the, it would have like been yeah yeah to avoid like the gore because it was very bloody. It, this is like you you mentioned to me. It's like when we watch the remake, it's gonna be what you thought the original should have been right. and that's exactly what i got with this um also i feel like i feel like house for thousand corpses prepared me for this uh which was really interesting to have that you know i i it wasn't as severe or as gross as house for thousand corpses by any means oh, okay but yeah. it, like did um it did prepare me to like accept all of the violence that was coming yeah um, but I mean, otherwise, I enjoyed it. I think this is definitely one of those films that you show at like a slumber party. You show it in a group to have those kinds of, you know, don't go in there conversations. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this, uh, yeah, definitely kind of perfect for that. I remember buying it on DVD and then again, it became sort of like the original, like where it's like, yeah. oh, have you seen the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Let's watch it. Because at that point, you know, 2003. You know, Saw was still around the corner, I think, right? 2004. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of gore was still, at least to me, like, I mean, horror films certainly have always had gore, you know, and been violent. And, you know, I've seen lots of blood and stuff. But, you know, when you look back on things that you watched in the 80s and the 90s or, or the movies made then, there is, you know, some of it's like, clearly this is like fake, you know, clearly this is... This film was just so vicious. It, it, like the the gore in it, the pain in it, the torture in it. It's so tactile and so um, it feels real. Mm-hmm. You know. Now again, I can't speak for like you know how long people can survive on a hook with their leg chopped off. I mean, I don't know. It's a horror film, you know. But it's gritty, you know, and you feel it. You know, you just you're really there. So I mean, as as good as our good, you know, Dean's List students of Fright School know, right? <laughs> so this, the, we place this within its historical context of the post 9-11, the Iraq war. Saw is around this time where we talk about torture porn and all right. of that stuff. Like that's very much. We're starting to gear up into that. Exactly. We're starting to gear up into that. And it's interesting because like, you know, the new millennium, like the late 90s and then films right around the 2000, 2001, pre nine. 11 are all like there's there's still an element of camp to it yeah as opposed to this which is like it it's um it's unyielding and cruel yeah definitely in yeah. in a way that like in, in in very in very beautiful ways in some regards but like it's so it's such a shift from from what we saw in the late 90s and the 2000 right. pre 911 yeah i was trying to remember today when cuz obviously when 9-11 happened and then as we got you know the Iraq war as that started to build up and like the critique you know the criticism of it you know I was thinking about like the Dixie Chicks because was that in 2001 when they went and said like their whole thing like you know I, I don't think it was 2001 yeah, I think I was it was that, no it had to be later right it was later it was probably to be honest with you it was Actually, probably it, um, huh. it was probably the aughts um no, yeah, it was March 10th, 2003. Yeah. So just a few months before this came out, um, well, or whatever, 
that is six months, seven months, whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not. Then the not Dixie mentioned. Chicks were all like, you know, we're we're ashamed of Bush being from Texas, right? But that's kind of like when this film came out, that mounting like criticism against like the war and against what was being said was like sort of growing. So there's such like this like. There's this real cynicism to the movies of like that time period of 2003, 4, 5, 6. I mean, Hostel, mm-hmm. uh, which we have not yet done for this show. Maybe we will um, eventually. I actually do think there's a there's an interesting conversation there about, you know, um, xenophobia, if nothing else. Uh, you know, but the movies that came out, like, saw all this, the, the, the torture porn, as we've discussed in the past on the show, like this ultraviolence, this uh, cruelty... Uh, it's it also speaks to like a real cynicism, you know, of just like this is. I mean, this film takes like small town America, much like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and makes it this like really dangerous, scary place. And we see that a lot. I mean, obviously the coastal elites, you know, that's kind of that attitude that gets like, oh no, I'm not going to go to some backwater, you know, town and be murdered or eaten because you know it's like such a pervasive. Um, sort of stereotype, but it comes from this. It comes from yeah. It comes out yeah. of the these sorts of these sorts of uh, of films. And again, you know, when you look at you know just like the the people who vote or the people who engage in politics sometimes have the voice. You know, so if like people are like, oh, that state is filled with a bunch of like you know people who voted for Trump and love Trump. Well, maybe that's not the truth. Maybe it's you know the people that were engaged or the people who could vote. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's not even really necessarily about you know, like the South. People are always like, oh, fuck the South, and it's like the South is full of. You know, there's a lot of diverse yeah, people yeah. Like, and black people that, you know, are disenfranchised, you know, from like voting and and should, you know, could have more of a voice. But like white elitism, you know, liberalism is just like, ah, just let the South go, you know, and it's like, no, there's people that need saving, you know, not everybody can afford to leave places. Not everybody has like the, you know. So anyways, there's just like there's just a real point is just a real cynicism to this film that I think going into a war, having, you know, this uh, attack happen, and then, you know, in the couple of years after it, you know, this growing divis- division and, and cynicism, and then this comes out, and it's just so unrelenting and so bloody and violent, unlike, you know, things that we had seen before. I mean, again, there are examples. I mean, I'm not, I'm just saying, generally speaking, like, I think before this... You know, I went to the theater to see, like, Jason X, which was, like, goofy as shit, you yeah. know, or, like, The Ring, which was creepy. You know, that was 2001 or two, somewhere around there. Chucky? You, Bride of Chucky? When's Bride of Chucky? That was 98. Yeah, so, but it's still... But goofy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, a, mean, there's, a, there's an element of camp to it. Yeah, and Bride of Chucky, I think, goes back more towards what Scream did, you mm-hmm. know, because Scream had, you know, allowed this, like, meta conversation to develop. Uh, more, more pointedly in a mainstream yeah, film. But there's you know? an, el- but there's a, but there is but a there's campiness. There's campiness. There's there's a humor in it, and you know, and it's meta. But like because it's meta, there's an element of camp that's re- that's attached to that, yeah. right? So, but with this, it's just like, I mean, like it, it reminds <laughs> it reminds me in some regards of Midsummer, where it's mm. like just hard. It's just a hard watch, right? <laughs> Yeah, for some people, I I mean, you know, I think I'm fairly desensitized to a lot of stuff. I mean, I was definitely squirming, but like in the way that's like, you know, partially yes, I'm just uncomfortable, but also like, you know, performative because, like, you know, people's 
you know, people's legs are getting chopped off and <laughs> faces getting ripped off. You, I feel like there should be more of a response to that. I mean, I think you'd worry about me, right, if I just sat there and, like, you know, <laughs> sedate and didn't react to anything. Well, like me laughing at so much of it. Cause, I mean, well, it no, we did. So, we, well, we, that's we did true. laugh. We did, yeah. Because, I mean, there's just some, especially now, like, I remember watching it. I, I laughed a lot. Like, no, But we're know. so fucked already. So. Right, exactly. But, I mean, there is also just, like, because the sheriff just, he says some, like, you know, that scene where he's just like, I got as much respect for the dead as anybody in this town. And then he's like, get that filthy thing out of the backseat yeah. of my car. <laughs> it's just like, you know, or his whole thing, I smell bullshit. It's just like, what is it? What do you say? It's not... like, can you get the fuck out of my way? Or the... Yes. And I, I admit to stealing that line. I, you know, and I, I probably have even said it to Jimmy Kins actually. <laughs> um, because I've definitely used it on like people before just, you know, like, uh, you mind getting the fuck out of my way, son. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's just so good. It's just so fucking bonkers. Like, he's supposed to be the sheriff of this town, helping the, you know, this girl in the back. I mean, the whole thing. I, again, it's a period piece. It's set in the 70s. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe they didn't yet. It's a bunch of white kids. So they're not like, oh, something's fucking wrong with the police here. Maybe we should get the hell out. But but it's interesting, right? Because, like, it's there are a bunch of fucking white kids and they're in Texas. But, like, he looks at their he looks at their IDs and all he sees are like Yankee trash, right? right yeah, he sees yeah. not from here. Right. And that's what separates them. And immediately it's like, Oh, you're better than me type thing. Um, the, the, the sheriff, you know, obviously very disturbing. Uh, love that actor. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. they gave him a lot to do. Um, but when he takes the gun, sniffs it, and I was like, because he knows exactly where she put it. Right. Like That's that- Arlie Ermey, who we know. He's he's very famous. Like, it was kind of a big deal that he did this movie, I think, because he had been, you know, this sort of... Um, he was a, like, he was a former marine like he was right yeah but he he was like in full metal jacket he had been doing like i think kind of like very serious sort of like he military. did mail call on the history channel oh wow so i didn't even know that but i just feel like he's kind of one of those guys that like when you see him in this role it was kind of like seeing john lithgow do the dexter series because I grew up with, I, and I've talked about this on the show before, like Lithgow as this goofy fucking alien. And then he's playing this like really creepy, really fucking disturbing serial killer. It was like such a weird twist. Yeah. Um, although actually, I, I don't know. Arlie Ermey is kind of creepy, but it was just such this like, I remember watching it with a friend of mine who really liked Full Metal Jacket and really had like, oh, I love Arlie Ermey. Um, I feel like that name isn't right, like Arlie Ermey. Like, it doesn't sound right, but that's what it says. So I, it just sounds weird. And I remember watching it with him, and he was just like, what the fuck is he doing in this movie? <laughs> like, did he need a paycheck that bad? It's like, well, hopefully he signed up for some, like, after, you know, the, the points on the other end or whatever they say, um, you know, profit margin. Um, but yeah, that, he's just so gross. And you just want to be like, how can you children... Well, I mean, there you go. Fucking stoned hippies going to a Leonard Skinner concert. But it's like, this dude, it's obviously something is wrong. Like, just get out of here. Just take when that he, girl's I mean, body. The moment he put the gun, it, the, the revolver right. in his holster on his ankle, right. like, they should have known. It fits perfectly. That I'm like, uh, right. Yeah. Why? Why, why, why? Yeah. To quote Bailey Sarian, seems suspicious. <laughs> Like, yeah, really fucking suspicious, y'all. Get out of there. But yeah. again, you know, they... 
They're high and they're trusting. If they would have left, then the movie would have been over. And yeah. how, what fun would that have been? Yeah. The guy wouldn't have even gotten his leg cut if off. If there were people of, if there were black or people of color in this movie, there would be no question that they would have like left. Right. We have to leave yeah. right now. Uh, we haven't even talked too much about who's in this movie. So uh, it's... I, it is a remake, but it does. It's sort. It's a reimagining, you know, kind of thing. Because they change all the names. None of the people have like the names. Mm-hmm. Even the family's name is Hewitt instead of Sawyer. Uh, although I'm not sure. Is that from the original, uh, or is that is that something that came after? I'm not sure. Uh, did they? Well, yeah, Grandpa Sawyer. Yeah, I think they did have last names in the original movie. I, sometimes things happen, at, you know. In you know, sort of like Jason getting his mask in the third film, you yeah. know. It's like, wait, when did that happen? When were they named? Regardless, they have a different name. Their last name Hewitt, and then there's kind of cognates for each character in the original film, but they have different names. The hitchhiker, obviously, they don't pick up, you know, the brother or whatever of Leatherface. They pick up this poor, you know, woman who's been brutalized by this family, and I guess had her baby stolen. There's not clear, you know, too much clarity in exactly what's happened to this young woman but you know something bad because you know she shoots herself in the head like obviously yeah with her like she's not feeling real hopeful about the experience she's just uh (laughs) right her vagina uh which again i remember seeing that that uh seeing that in the theater when it does that shot through the van like with all their faces and then through the hole in her head i was just like i think i love this movie I think that I'm perfectly fine. Like, they weren't really trying to remake it. I mean, it is, you know, based on, like... I feel like that should be. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre based on... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, you know. So it's just like... It, it feels like kind of a very different story in a lot of ways. There, you know, there are quite a few changes, and not to mention, like, the, the gore and all that. But anyways, the point is, it is a veritable who's that... Of the 2000s. We got Jessica Biel. What -hmm. is she doing? Anything? Where Um, is she? She is the... She's the wife and mother to uh, Justin Timberlake's children. Okay. See, this is why I'm glad we do this show, because you pay attention to this stuff. Yeah. Uh, We got Jonathan Tucker's Morgan, who... uh, Well, Jessica Biel's Aaron character is sort of the cognate to Sally Hardesty, Mm -hmm. the Marilyn Burns uh, role in the original, who I didn't show you. I should. Maybe we'll go back sometime and rewatch, but the other disc of my my, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre DVD, there's a deleted scene where they actually had Marilyn come and record or film like a part in it, like a cameo that she's oh, like, nice. you know, yeah, it was very, um, sometime maybe we can look at it. We got Erica Learson as Pepper, who's like, I think her name was Pam. Uh, she was in uh, Blair Witch 2 as like the witch, the redhead, uh, Wiccan, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Balfour. I keep saying that wrong. Balfour. Balfour. Yeah. Eric Balfour is Kemper, who, what's his name in the... Um, Jerry. That's kind of, that's who I think he's supposed to be is Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to think who had the guy driving. Um, doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Uh, he, who I knew him from, uh, or sometime around this same time, uh, six feet under. Oh, he's in six feet under. Okay. Yeah. He, he's been a lot. He was, that was the height of his power. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when was the last time he did anything? Oh, well, he's got quite an, uh, uh, he's got things he's been doing. I just haven't no. seen any of it. Uh, so, you know, sorry. <laughs> That'll be our new thing. He's got things he's been doing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Eric. Uh, I'm just, I'm not watching, um, you know, CBS. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, who else? Oh, Mike Vogel is Andy. And so, yeah. And then Andrew, uh, 
think it's Bernarski. B r y n i a r s k i. Brynarski, Brynarski, whatever. The, the little boy. Matter. No, that he plays Leatherface. You're thinking of David Dorfman as Jedediah. <laughs> who was in he was in The Ring uh, yes, yeah, he's a little boy in The Trinity Ring Trinity Bonet's teeth and oh my gosh Joe you're, <laughs> we are so cancelled now oh man um, he's got flippers on he's <laughs> yeah he's he's creepy uh, that little boy but when he, he said his he name helped. was Jedediah like you right. know like, that, yeah, was that was camp that was camp I'd be like hell no I need to leave uh, we cannot be around anybody it's like Children of the Corn, you know, Mordecai or Malachi and, you know, uh, fucking anybody with those sorts of biblical names like that that are like got a Kai in them or a Daya, <laughs> you got to get out. <laughs> you got to run. <laughs> and I'm saying that as a Joshua, run. <laughs> got a Kai or a Daya, <laughs> yeah. run. You better you run. To. You got to. Oh, man. Yeah, this seeing the seeing all of them in the in the van on like in the beginning before you know their whole rest of right. their lives before get the hilarity fucked, before the hilarity ensues <laughs> um i told joshua i was like wow i feel like joe of that time period like you know early 2000s budding homosexual joe like you know uh, you know, had a sexual, private sexual experience um, <laughs> to each of the uh, several movies or TV shows that each of those men were that in. Each of those men were in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I didn't really know. I knew who Jessica Biel was. Yeah. And I knew the redheaded woman, mm -hmm, you know, from because Blair. again, I said that I, I Eric, Eric Balfour was was in Six Feet Under in 2001 or so. I think he was in the first season, first second season, something around there. But that was like 2000, 2001. So it was before this. I didn't watch Six Feet Under till years after. So I should, you know, just to fact check myself, I was not mm -hmm. watching it at the time. That's just the only thing that I for sure know him from. Other When I see him, I'm like, oh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre dude. Or, oh, the foot guy from Six Feet Under. Yeah, no, that's I'm, what I think. Of. I have like very specific memories of watching like yeah. you know IFC or whatever, and seeing one of those guys in a movie on IFC where they're you know shirtless or right. you know a butt. Like it was, it was like watching like teenage Joe Spank Bank like uh, on all be mercilessly, mercilessly, mercilessly slaughtered, <laughs> mercilessly. Got to say that one slow, mercilessly. <laughs> See, that's 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 the title of this episode: is Teenage Joe Spank Bank, right? Yes. <laughs> Spank Bank of Murder. Yeah. Um, oh, terrible. Um, so I went back a and I die or a die. <laughs> yeah, you got to run. I see that's that's the pull quote that we need for those videos that yes. we keep talking about we're going to make. Uh so I went back to the comments like so this was from uh oh no I just oh it was June 5th 2020. So yeah, almost a year ago uh when Horror Movie Night was doing their best of remakes or something. Um mm -hmm. and yeah, I'd written because uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre was not was not doing real strongly in in during the competition. Uh, that they were they were having or like the you know the voting because people were voting I think the worst out you know so I really thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would have been better like I, I thought it was held in a higher esteem but yeah. I'm as usual I am pretty out of touch I think with mainstream horror <laughs> it seems uh, because like I liked the Nightmare on Elm Street remake you know I didn't like it more than the original of course but it was fine it was serviceable like I enjoy it. 
Uh, you know, and the same with like Halloween. I love Rob Zombie's Halloween film. Uh, well, both actually. I, I like part two as well. It's freaking weird with the white horse and other nonsense, but I'm fine with it. Um, but I was looking because my comment. Yeah, so I said I went to see it out of spite because I was, I was offended that they were remaking it. Uh, but I, yeah, I wrote that I had been moved by it and I thought it, you know, was visceral. It was very, very visceral. And I was thinking about, like, the cruelty of poverty and bullying and things like that. And then I, I tagged you because I was like, oh, this is where Joe jumps in and goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> um, <laughs> because only I could watch that movie and leave it going, oh, God, poor Leatherface. It's so sad. Uh, you know, it's like his poor face. Like, you know, and he's just surrounded by these horrible people that raised him in this culture. You know, like, what are you going to do? Stop it. Oh, gosh. You know, poverty is cruel. Uh, you know, and these kids roll into town like, yeah, we bought two pounds of weed in Mexico. We're going front row tickets at Leonard Skinnerd. It's like, you know, fuck you guys. We're starving here. We resorted to killing tourists, you know, driving through to eat them because life sucks. That's the message. No, that is not the <laughs> So what you're saying So what you're saying is because this family lives in a food desert, like this whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just a giant metaphor for uh, food deserts and food insecurity. Well that or vegetarianism. Or vegetarianism. Yeah, which yes. I love when you were watching it, how you're like, Man, this makes me want to like not eat meat. And I'm like, that could be one of the points. That actually is a reading of of like the original film. Uh, that uh, I think even Toby Hooper was like, Yeah, this is a movie about meat. Um, but a lot of people um, have shown it like I think PETA others have like shown it as like this allegory about meat consumption that it's this conversation about like why like the meat industry is terrible why uh, like you know meat is murder and like the humans in it represent like terrified animals and when you watch the movie you can get this like feeling about of what it's like to be a pig or a cow like that's what their life is every day is is poor Sally pushing her wheelchair brother through the forest being chased by a chainsaw wielding maniac that is you know the the animal experience so when you brought that up i was like i don't even know if we discussed that on the original mm -mm. that that was part of the conversation about i mean this was 5 years ago so you know, we've talked about a lot of movies, a lot of different, a lot of different themes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe it could still apply here. I mean, you know, I guess it's not as it doesn't have as ex mo uh, the explicit like in the original when they pick up the hitchhiker and he talks about like very explicitly like oh you know oh they got a machine now that does like the job that my uncle used to do and now they just do it with a machine so he's out of work and blah 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 and you know or my brother or whatever um you know so it's but like, we still got to eat right exactly you know so it's just this um yeah anyways i i don't know how much like like veracity there is in that but again uh, anything that we talk about themes and subtext of horror films i mean it's all that's the point right it's all yeah we're gleaning we're gleaning yes um meaning out of out of the uh out of the the uh, underbelly of these uh horror films uh but I, I did think that was interesting that you said that today because I'm like, oh, that's right. I wanted to talk about it because I had just read an article from like two years ago yeah. that was like a reanalysis of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. as a vegan statement. And I was just like, yeah. oh, that's so perfect. We're having tacos after this, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Carne asada Joseph, actually. Uh, Joseph asada would be what that is. What am I talking about? Not Carne Joseph asada. It'd be Joseph asada. That would be, that's my, is that my drag name? Carne Joseph asada? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My, uh, my only other like note here: episiotomy uh, with the chainsaw. Poor Morgan. We just let that sit there. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like just throw that out there: episiotomy with the chainsaw. I'm not sure men technically can have an episiotomy. Um, I was gonna. Well, I mean, some some men. Oh, that's true. Some men could. That's true, but I, I mean, I think Morgan is uh, meant to be like a cis male. But I mean, whatever. Yeah. He got. Just chainsawed yeah, right he, up the groin, and he gets he's. I mean, something queer happens to him where, like, you know, a man basically forces. Yeah, that's a know. pretty intense scene with the sheriff and him. Yeah, I, uh, yeah that and even tonight, like watching it, it was like, oh shit, I forgot because the guy, like, when he comes in, he's like goofy, you know, making jokes and shit. But he, you know, it's like he's so fucking terrible, like you know, molesting this corpse and like joking with these guys about you know, what they've been doing to her, mm-hmm. you know, while he's feeling her up. And then he's just also saying all these other horrible, like goofy, you know, completely inappropriate things. So you're kind of thrown off. And then yeah. when he is really vicious, like he's really, really scary. And that whole sequence is, is very intense. Um, yeah. Oh, I tell you, I was just trying to, let me see Um, let's see, any other stray thoughts that you had? <laughs> well, see, now I want to just revisit all of the old movies that those three men were in and see, <laughs> I, you know, and then like, you know, and, and simultaneously be like disgusted because <laughs> they probably weren't good. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, I, I do not because I don't think I've seen any of these movies uh, that you're that you're talking about. Do you have any titles of any? Um, Jonathan Tucker was in a film called One Hundred Girls, where he plays a man who goes into like a sorority house, I think, and he has the best, most he has like there's a blackout in the house when he's in the elevator, and he has like a romantic night with a girl, but doesn't remember which girl, so he tries to find her in the house. Okay. Um, and this and is Morgan. That was Morgan. Yes. And then Mike Vogel was in a bunch of stuff. Oh, I was going to say that I did like, um, I think we were talking a little bit about it because they don't have, I mean, they put like, I guess he's like the grandpa character in a wheelchair, but not one of the main cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I did like that kind of change in the end where he sort of, he can't walk and she has to like drag him through. Yeah. That also I felt that like was very, very tense and really scary. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I, when I first saw it, and then ha- hiding the house and the walls and st- I'm just like, Oh man, yeah. this is like very, very creepy. Uh, since you brought, um, Tucker up again, I was like, Oh, yeah. right, I did want to say that. Um, yeah, again, I, this kind of kicked off a whole, which, I don't know, maybe there is something about, after 9-11 happened, and you kind of, the whole world, I think, for a lot of young, because the last time we had, like, a, quote-unquote, like, terrorist attack, I'm not saying what happened in 9-11 was really a terrorist attack to our conspiracy listeners. Um, <laughs> not the point. Um <laughs> 
the point is that this event happened. The last time something like of that magnitude happened in the U.S. was what, like Pearl Harbor? I mean, I know like the the, the bombings, you know, but I mean for like terror, like a of a foreign terrorist attack was when. Um, I mean, there the Trade Center was bombed in the nineties. Oh, that's but like right. not um probably um foreign terrorist attack. I mean, terrorist attack period would have been the Oklahoma City bombing. Okay, that's what. Yeah, like ter like terrorist attack period would have been that. Um, and then prior to that, maybe Jonestown, but that's not terrorism. That's just you know. Well, again, I mean, terrorism is one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what exactly do we mean by it? Because, like, domestic terrorism, like, I mean, white supremacy is terrorism. Yeah. That's, you know, we're seeing a lot of that going around. Um, You know, I I mean, I'm not trying to make light. I guess my my conversation is more like, uh, and and that inspires, like, invasion anxiety, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, after Pearl Harbor, like, kind of, like, alien movies and things that we were making and the conversation of of like the invasion anxiety. So I'm just trying to think about in the aftermath of nine 11 and because of the death, like count of that, it was so, I think it was just, that was like the, the the first thing in my life I remember being a really traumatic event. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I was trying to think, I I mean the Oklahoma city bombing, absolutely. um, But definitely like nine 11. Yeah. Or no, definitely Pearl Harbor. Yeah. I think Pearl Harbor was probably the last really big event of like that kind of magnitude yeah. that matched like 9-11. And so I felt like there, you know, the anxiety of that, like the world really shifted for a lot of us, you know, I mean, at that age, you know, when, I mean, I was 17 or 18 when that happened, you know, it was just kind of like, it was a real like, whoa, the world, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. it was just a very interesting time in those few years. So it's like, I wonder about like the, comfortability of like, I want to go see a new old movie, (laughs) you know? And that kind of kicks off all of these remakes. I wonder if there's like something about that, you know, Mm. about just like, you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just good old capitalism making a cash grab. Maybe. But people went to see them and, you know, you like them or you don't or whatnot. But I I was thinking about that earlier too. It's just like, man, there was a ton of remakes at that time. There was like a 10-year period or not even 10 years, I mean, between 2003 and, like, 2010, where just everything was, like, a remake of some 80s film, 70s, 80s movie that you loved, and now they've remade it, you know? It was just sort of like, I don't know, Hollywood terrorism of our childhood. (laughs) But mining it and, like, giving us something that felt like, oh, I know this story, but it's being told differently, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. That's just a throwaway point that people are going to be like, what are you talking about, Joshua? Just shut up. Uh, (laughs) um, All right. Well, that's our, you know, again, we're just having, we were having some fun today. I've been waiting to show that to you for a long time um, because we, I had saved it. I haven't watched it since we started Fright School. Um, even though I do really enjoy it. That's probably the 10th time I've seen it. Um, Maybe more. I don't know. I'd watch it again, but with you or in a group setting. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be fun to do that uh, sometime on a big screen. Would be yeah, good. But I, I had forgotten about some of it, so rewatching it today, it, did, it felt like fresh, and so I just kind of got a new. I'm like, yeah, I enjoy the movie. I think it's very yeah. cynical. I think it's very indicative of a particular time here in American culture. You know what was going on, how we were feeling. It's just, you know, it's such a, it's a very divisive film. 
for a very divisive populace. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there we go. Uh, Last thing I want to leave everybody with is like, please check out um, this book. It was just released. Um, It's called... (laughs) It's called Creepy Bitches, Essays on Horror from Women in Horror, edited by Elise Wax and Rebecca McKendry, uh, who we who we enjoy. And uh, Come on the show! Oh, yeah, I wish. That'd be so cool. Um, Chelsea Stardust has a uh, an essay in here. Um, BJ Colangelo. Yes, BJ. Rebecca, obviously. A uh, bunch of bunch of just amazing women writing about horror, their experience in horror. I really like this because it's divided up into, um, you know, sort of different, obviously, you know, they're always kind of divided into sections, but there's like adolescence in horror, you know, horror as a lifestyle, um, horror and fandom, uh, you know, facing your fears. It's just, uh, oh, and the first one, I guess, a monster with many faces. I love the very first essay, meteorites and the hillbillies who poke them. I mean, come on. This is yeah. a book you want to read. So I just wanted to say a little something about it because I've been enjoying reading it. I, I've been kind of bouncing around uh, reading uh, a few of the essays in here. One of them wrote about her love of Elvira. So, of course, I had to read that. I had to read Chelsea's, which was great, about her Hall- the, ha- ma- uh, the Halloween family. Mm-hmm. So sort of about her parents who loved Halloween and gave her that mm-hmm. uh, that love. Um and then there's a taking the ick out of ichthyology, which is all about the study of um, fish. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. ichthyology is the study of fish, exactly. But this is about the creature from the Black Lagoon uh-huh. trilogy, gender in the creature from the Black Lagoon trilogy. So this is like, I mean, the perfect book for fright school, obviously. I mean, I would teach this, uh, you know. It's really wonderful. And I did want to, I meant to mention it in the uh, first part of the, 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 uh, the, in episode. our A block. <laughs> our A block. But I didn't because we got really sidetracked talking about I don't even know what I've already forgotten. But you just heard it, dear listener. And that's what we talked about instead of this book. But I did want to uh, pump it because uh, there's a lot of incredible minds involved in writing it. So please support it if you can find it. Uh, I think they're doing a signing soon in L.A. at uh, Dark Delicacies. Is mm, that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Anyways, there we go. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003 remake. Yay, Summer of Horror, 2020, whatever year it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Be uh, safe. Get vaccinated. Ah, yes, please. Uh, So we can come to cons again and see all of your faces. Yes, we're in talks. So we want to continue to be in talks until we are there. Yes, yes, yes. We are working on live events. So please let them happen. All right, Joe. Well, much um, horror love to you. Much horror love to you, Joshua. (laughs) And you, dear listener. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.